Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Thank you very much. Hey, how are you all? Those of you who are wearing shorts, you lucky things. I just didn't feel I could put you through the experience of seeing my knees. If you saw them, you would understand why. And resist all uh, invitations. So, happy Father's Day. I don't know uh, how you hear that. Uh, there's going to be lots of different people with lots of different uh, feelings and emotions when we come to Father's Day. For some of us here, we are going to celebrate amazing dads who have just been extraordinary in our lives. And we're going to celebrate all that they mean for us. For others of us, when we think of fathers, we think of something different. And it may be sadness. It may be uh, pain. We may be missing them today. And today brings those memories back to the surface. So I thought what I would do, if it's all right with you, is I want to tell you a little bit of my story. Just as we think about God the Father. So my father died when I was three. And I'm... We have a couple of photographs of him. This is the first one's going to come up. It's just of my dad. That's my dad. Um, quite suave, um, just like just like me. <laughs> and um, then this is a. The, I have two pictures of him and uh, with me and my brother. And this is just the the one picture I have of him with me. So he is um, forty eight. There, he has lung cancer. And he doesn't know that in a year he will be dead. And really, I only know him through uh, a couple of photographs, but mostly through stories that people have told me about him. So I could tell you about the time when he was a young man. He lived in uh, Sri Lanka. And he used to drive a motorbike through the jungle. And this one time he saw an elephant coming towards him. And so he jumped off his motorbike, put it by a tree, climbed the tree and kind of peered through the bushes. It was a baby elephant. The baby elephant came up and looked at the motorbike, then touched it. It got burnt. Uh, so he then, the elephant then crushed the motorbike with his feet. And my dad had a very long walk back wherever it was. I know uh, from what people have told me about him that he was somebody who could talk to anybody. He just had an amazing ability, apparently, to, if he was sat at a table to talk, he could have someone who had nothing on one side and someone who was fabulously wealthy on the other, and he could talk to them both and treat them both the same. Um, I, I know that he, uh, he was uh, generous uh, to a fault, and actually when he died, he, he died... Uh, and he was extravagant, and when he died, he died, and he didn't leave money, he left dead. So, um, and I, uh, the only real memories that I have of him, and it's difficult sometimes 
to know what's a memory and what's a combination of the couple of photographs you may have seen and the stories that people have told you. And it's difficult sometimes to work out what's, what's real and what you've just kind of imagined because that's what you need. And so what I do remember, though, is I remember uh, lying on the end of his bed, um, my parents' bed, and him just flicking me off with his feet. Just a silly little trivial memory. And I remember... Um, when he was ill. I remember the, my parents' bedroom window was always drawn. It was always dark. There was an oxygen tank. And um, I remember nurses coming and going. Um, I wasn't there that, the day that he died, but I'll tell you what happened. So he was very weak. And he had an oxygen mask on the whole time. And he was sitting in a chair in uh, the living room. And he looks at my mother and he said, there's somebody at the door. And my mum listened and said, no, there's nobody at the door. And he said again, there's somebody at the door. And so my mum went and looked and said, came back and said, no, there's, there's no one at the door. And then he stood up, took off his mask, said, there's somebody at the door, sat down, and he died. Now, I don't know what happened in those moments. I don't know, you know, we all know the verse, you know, behold, I stand at the door. I don't know if that's what happened or not. I like to think that that's what happened. But I, I I don't know if that's what happened. And the thing is, because I was so young uh, when he, he died, we never really actually as a family really talked about him. This is the 19, late 70s, early 1980s. You know, people didn't talk about this sort of stuff. And probably, I don't know if you've ever heard me talk before about the fact that as a child I uh, exhibited all the symptoms of ADHD. You know, and, and actually what I think I was exhibiting was trauma. But we just didn't understand about trauma, uh, childhood trauma, then in the way that we do now. But, and because of that, for me, whenever I thought about God, which to be fair wasn't very often, I thought about someone who was largely absent. And I guess if, when I did think about him, I thought about somebody who was quite strict, who was quite stern, who was quite distant, who probably wore a tweed jacket and was sitting, sat in a dusty classroom stuck in the sort of 1950s uh, in a tweed jacket, uh, who was pretty formal and who sat down and waited to tell me about all the things that I had done wrong. And to be honest, even when I did come to faith when I was 16, for a long time, I think that is how subconsciously I thought about God. Absent, distant, emotionally remote. And because of that, I tried really hard to be a good Christian. You know, I, I, I made sure I had my quiet time every day. I made sure that I, you know, didn't use bad language. I mean, you know, all this sort of stuff. I did all the right things because God was absent and distant and remote. And so what you need to do is you need to get his approval. And you get his approval by doing all the right things. And to be honest, if I'm being really honest, is really only as I become a father myself, I've been a father for a little while now, but it was only as I became a father myself 
that I've really begun to experience God as a father, to understand that these things that I knew in my head and believed were true, I actually began to experience them and I received them as revelation. Sort of it dropped, you know, the 18 inches, whatever, from your head to my heart. And so this morning, I just want to share with you some of the things that I have learned about the Father. The first thing is this. He has known us and loved us since before time began. That's from Jeremiah 1, 5 and 31, 3. The creator of the universe, no matter whether you know him or not, he has known you and he has loved you since before time began. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. Whatever may have happened in your life, whatever someone may have said to you, he has known you and he has loved you since before time began. And more than that, Zephaniah 3.17 tells us that he rejoices over us with singing. Now, I love singing. I'm not a very good singer. I'm more of a nightingale than a lark. That's the right way around, isn't it? And, um, and um, I love singing in the car. My kids do not love it when I'm singing in the car, particularly when they have friends with them in the car. And um, I, I, I love Les Mis and um, you know, got the soundtrack and listened to it. So when we went to see Les Mis, I knew it all, like, you know, word by word, song by song. And halfway through, my brother turned to my mum and said, gosh, it's so much better without Bill singing, isn't it? God's got a great voice. And when he thinks about you, he starts singing. That is the consequence of him thinking about you. And more than that, you know, he chose us and he adopted us. We've got friends who uh, have adopted children. And Father's Day is a strange day for them, as you can imagine. But, But the thing that they are able to tell their children is, we picked you. We saw you out from everybody else, and as soon as we saw you, we loved you. And because we loved you, we chose you. God saw us. He chose us because he loves us. And in John uh, 1 verse 3, it says, God has lavished his love upon us. God's love for us is extravagant. When was the last time you encountered that love? Not read about it, but when did you last let God lavish his love upon you? What does that even look like? Well, for me, one of the ways that he's lavished his love upon me is through family. And I'm not talking about my, my, the family that I was born into, who are wonderful and amazing and I love them. But it's this. It is church. Because for me, when I was 16... And just sort of trying to work things out and feeling like I didn't quite fit because everyone else had something that I, or most of my friends had something that I didn't. Church was the one place where I found that I was loved and accepted for who I was, where immediately I was family. Um, That is why collectives are so important. I think back to the different collectives that I have been a part of, sort of in, through, in the last 33 years. And without a shadow of a doubt, they are the place where I felt home, 
where I felt known and seen and loved. And that is, what is, so, that, that is why they are so important. That is why as a church, if you're, if you're not in a collective, I really want to strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you to find one, to get in one. That one sounds, the new one sounds amazing. I don't know how big their house is, but I suspect, I suspect it's not going to be big enough for very long. Um, he has lavished his love on us. He says that we are the apple of his eye. He's written his name on, he's written our name on the palm of his hands. It's a bit like a tattoo. Now, I, I don't know those of you who remember, it was quite a while ago, but I talked about my mum got a tattoo when she was in her 70s. And I'm still a little bit traumatised, to be honest with you, by it. Um, it. She won £100 on the premium bonds and decided to go and get a tattoo at Shepherd's Bush Market. The tattooist did very well out of that £100 because it's not a brilliant tattoo. This is where I really hope my mum's not listening. But it's not a brilliant tattoo. It's of a lily because what had happened was my brother uh, had a daughter called Lily. And so she got a big, whopping great big lily on her shoulder blade. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's, just, it, it's just an appalling tattoo. <laughs> Um, it's kind of bled out, you know, the ink sort of bled out and stuff. And, you know, when, she's not getting any younger, my mum, so you can imagine, a little bit wrinkly. Anyway, it's just like, it, thank you for listening. This is really healing. <laughs> and, uh, and so then my son, um, I, I, I'm not a big fan of tattoos. If you've got a tattoo, God bless you, um, you know, absolutely amazing. But, uh, but, but they're just not for me. And... Um, uh, my kids know this. And so it was when he was on his gap year, uh, the other side of the world in Guatemala, my eldest son, Luke, messaged me and said, Hi, Dad, just so you know, I'm getting a tattoo in 10 minutes. <laughs> so um, he's got a tattoo on his, at least it's on his foot, so you can't see it most of the time. Of, um, well, he says it's a volcano. His friends say it's a ballerina with a big dress. But anyway, he, he's getting a tattoo. And now my middle son, who's just finished school, is about to get a tattoo as well. So, um, and I've just resigned myself to the fact that it's a, tat- you know, these, it's a tattoo thing. And I said to him, Jonah, the thing is a tattoo is forever. A tattoo is forever. And I know you, can, you know you can spend lots of money getting them taken off. But principally, they are there. You are branded. They are on you for life. They go everywhere you go, you know, they become a part of you. God's tattooed your name on him. You are with him forever. Every time he looks at it, he sees and he thinks of you. You you are part of him, you are on him forever. That felt good. Thank you. He wants to give us good gifts. God is extravagant and he is generous. And I think it's taken me a long time to learn. You know, often when you know, we ask God to give us things, I don't know about you, but often I look around and I think, I'm not sure I really deserve that. I think about all the things that I've done that I shouldn't have done and all the things I haven't done that I should have done, all the things that I've thought that I shouldn't have thought. And I exclude myself because I think if God, I know God knows all this stuff about me, so I don't really feel like I'm deserving of his, of his extravagance and his generosity. I totally missed the point. When he looks at me, he sees Jesus. 
He sees me in Christ. He sees the best version of me with the sun on my face, with the wind behind me. And that's how he sees you. And because he loves me and because he loves you, there are things that he wants to give you. What is it that maybe you, don't have the, you haven't had the courage to ask for? What is it you've given up asking for? What is it you're not sure that you deserve? Because the Father wants to give those things to us. He wants to give good gifts to his children. Matthew 3.17 says, He is pleased with us. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved daughter who I love and in who I'm pleased with. I don't know if you've ever stopped and spent any time thinking about that. God's pleased with you. He's pleased with you. He's pleased with me. Not because of anything that I've done or you've done. He's just pleased with us. He takes great pleasure in us. And the thing is, because he loves us and he takes great pleasure in us, he loves us too much to leave us to our own devices. And what I mean by that is, uh, you'll know the verse well, in Hebrews 12 verse 6 it says, it's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces he also corrects. Here is the thing. We've got to get away from this angry, mean, nasty God, just good God who just wants to give us a hug. God is, you know, God is good and loving and holy and perfect. And because of that, sometimes he will raise the mirror to our face and he will challenge us about parts of ourselves that are not great. That isn't because he hates us. It's not because he's angry with us. It's because he loves us. That is, the, one might argue, the ultimate expression of his love for us, that he will not leave us to our own devices for too long. Always gives us a choice. And he's always there waiting for us when we decide it's time to go home. But he loves us too much to leave us to ourselves for too long. He has plans for our lives, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, and he wants us to flourish. The creator of the universe wants you to flourish. He doesn't want you to survive. He doesn't want you to just get by. He doesn't want you to cling on by your fingernails. He wants you to flourish. He wants you to live 3D, HD, or 4K, whatever it is. That is what his plan for us is. Now, I recognize that there are seasons that we go through, all of us, where it doesn't feel like we're flourishing. It feels like we are floundering and life is just stinking hard. It's in those moments of which, like everybody else in this room, I've had many when I wonder if he's even there, if you've even noticed, you know, like Jesus with the disciples on the boat, you know, Lord, don't you care if we drown? In those moments, I am learning to remind myself that his heart is that I flourish. It's in moments where I'm not sure if I deserve, like, the, the answer to a prayer, where I remind myself that his heart is that I flourish. I know that there are people in this room who are going through or have been through just an unbelievably heart-wrenching, heartbreakingly difficult time. I want to encourage you. God is with you. And his heart for you is that you would flourish. If you will wait for him, if you will look for him, 
He will be found by you and he wants you to flourish. 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 to 17 says, He is our greatest encourager. It's not something that us Brits unnaturally feel very comfortable. If we feel uncomfortable giving encouragement, we feel even more uncomfortable receiving it, don't we? Um, someone says something nice about us, we're not quite sure where to look. We're not sure if we're supposed to say thank you, because that kind of feels like a little bit big-headed, and we, but we don't want to bat it away because we don't want to be wrong uh, to, to embarrass our friends. We're like, oh, no, 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 thank you, thank you. Well, you know what? We need to learn from our American friends, our American cousins. I know there are Americans in the house, and we, I want to say we love you, and we are deeply grateful for you, because uh, the Americans, the North Americans that I know, are amazingly good at encouragement. I mean, so good at encouragement. Um, you know, you, uh, I, I've got this friend, and he, like, I've learned encouragement from him. I have to dial it down and you know, contextualize it for England, because otherwise it's just, like, weird. But you get the gist. We go to a restaurant, and he'd just say, he'd say to the person, like he'd say to the, the, the person serving them, um, can I speak to your manager? And the poor person is just thinking, what have I done? And, he, and the manager comes to you, the manager, I just want you to know that this person just been the best waiter I've ever experienced. And he kind of does that. And this, like, like we're going to give him a big tip. And I want, to make, I want you to make sure, and I've said it in front of them, that they get the big tip. <laughs> you know, you can't go anywhere without this friend of mine where he's not in, looking for opportunities to encourage people. Not banal encouragements, but specific encouragements. I think at church, we're really good at you're amazing. And yes, you are. We are all like, let's receive. I am. We are amazing. I get like we say that all the time. But can I can I just make just a tiny suggestion? Can we move beyond that? Can we? Thank you. Can we can we move to uh, what I really appreciate about you is this or I thought that the talk was really good, and what really spoke to me was this. Or, I really appreciated the way that you did this for me. It meant a lot to me. It requires a little bit more thought. It means we do have to swallow past the gag reflex, so to speak. But it means so much more. Let's be the encourager that God is. Let's be the encourager that God is. Finally, Psalm 136 says this lots of times, I think 13 times. He is good and his love endures forever. The Father, your Father, my Father, our Father is good and his love endures forever, never wanes doesn't change depending on what he had to eat last night or how much sleep he had or what else is going on in his world. And there's quite a lot. His love for us is unchanging and it is forever. You know, thinking back, finally, God, God is for you. Like if you forget everything else, you could sum it up all in this. God is for you. He is for you. He is cheering you on. All of heaven is cheering you on. It says in Hebrews, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We are being cheered on by the king of heaven. Now, just thinking back to my own story. You know, I, as I said, I can tell you a little bit about him. 
from the stories that I've heard from other people who knew him and who loved him. See, I know about him, but I never knew him. Well, not really. Not in any meaningful, well, it was meaningful for three years, but I didn't really know him. And it can be so easy on Father's Day to talk all about the Father. To leave knowing all sorts of truths about the Father. But the tragedy would be if we left not knowing the Father. Not encountering his love for each one of us again. Because, you know, his great desire is that you would know him. The longing of his heart is is that you would know his presence with you every moment of every day. His great desire for you is that you would flourish knowing that and experiencing that and encountering that. So we're going to stand right now. That's okay. The band are going to come back. Just heads up to the band. I love watching you guys do your thing. Super impressive. And I really love Pete's cap, particularly. Not that Timo's isn't great. You all look great. I want to encourage you. Pete, I particularly like your cap because it's got loads of colour and it sort of reflects who you are. And Are you feeling awkward yet? No, you're not. Fantastic. I'll keep going. You know, the Father is the Father who runs. He runs towards us. Whatever's going on, whatever's gone on, whatever your story is, He is the Father who runs towards us, who says, it's not enough to know about me. I want you to know me, to encounter me. For some of us, that'll, it means getting past the Father that we had or the Father that we didn't have. But his heart is that we would know him this morning. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray for us. And I don't know what you've got lined up. We didn't really talk, but I'm sure it's brilliant. I love your song choices. I love love the way you really think about the songs. I love the way they go together, they take us on a journey. You're an amazing encourager. Uh, Oh, you can do better than that. Uh, If you're comfortable, why don't we hold out our hands? It's just a way of, you know, the Father's here. He loves us. And he wants to give us good gifts. He wants to give, ultimately, do you know what he wants to give us? He wants to give us himself. He wants to give us himself. He doesn't want just want to walk with you. He wants to live in you. And the way that we receive a gift is we hold out our hands. If you're not comfortable with that, it's totally fine. But I find it really helpful. So, Father, thank you that you are here. Thank you that you have known and loved us since before time began. Thank you that you rejoice over us with singing. Thank you that you chose us and you adopted us. Thank you that you have lavished your love on us. Thank you that you say that we are the apple of your eye and that you have written our name on the palm of your hands. 
thank you that you want to give us good gifts. Thank you that you are pleased with us despite what we might think or what we might feel. Thank you that you love us too much to leave us to our own devices for too long. Thank you that you have plans for us and you want us to flourish. Thank you that you are our greatest encourager. Thank you that your love for us is forever. Thank you that you are always with us. Thank you that you are for us. Thank you that you're here. And Lord, I want to pray for each one of us that those 13 truths about who you are would move from our heads to our hearts, that we would encounter your love and your presence and your goodness and your power and your presence right now. Let's just be still. Some of us here are feelers, so we might be feeling his presence and his goodness and his love for us. Others of us in here, we're not feelers, we're thinkers. And for you, I want to encourage you, let these truths marinate in your hearts. Let the flavor of them come out. Let them become a part of who you are. also the father of second chances and what I mean by that if you're a parent here and you feel like you have royally not done a great job it's not too late it is never too late maybe you need to ask for forgiveness from him and maybe from some other people too but it is never too late there is always a second chance a third chance a fourth chance a fifth chance and I feel like for maybe just one or two of us this morning he just wants to lift off the weight of disappointment maybe you feel like you've not been there enough or you've just let that relationship get a little bit distant with your one or more of your children God is the restorer of broken walls and the healer of broken relationships. And I want to finally just pray for those people here and just Father's Day is painful and difficult because you long to be parents. You long to be parents. And you listen to Andre and you began to hope a little bit. I just want to pray for God to fill you with hope and to bring healing where there isn't any. Lord, we pray for those people who, in this room who are longing to be parents. 
would you come and do what only you can do? Would you meet them and would you surprise them? Would there be laughter? Thank you, Lord.